Heavenly Father, we are indeed humbled as we see how temporary our strength is, though by strength we might live even beyond four score to nearly five. Yet we know that our life and our strength is fleeting. Father, we pray that you would speak to us from your timeless word, from the enduring truths that give us a hope and anchor beyond the grave. Lord, we pray that you would speak to each one of our hearts that as fleeting is our years that we might prepare ourselves for that coming day when we get to meet thee face to face. May it be a day of joy. We praise thee for all that thou hast done in making that possible. We pray for those who cannot be here, are ill and old, have old age and unable to travel, with various responsibilities. Father, we pray for a blessing for them. Father, we pray that your word would still go out and encourage and strengthen throughout this entire world as we know our time, even on this planet, is limited and coming to an end. Father, we pray for those who are not prepared, that they would not be lulled to sleep with any false sense of security and progress, but that they could also be diligent to be ready and to be able to say, even so come, Lord Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to read just a few verses uh, from Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. Uh, a few verses uh, from the 15th chapter and then also a verse from the 17th. <clears throat> Now let's read uh, beginning to ver from verse 13. Proverbs chapter 15 beginning to read at verse 13. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. And better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. And let's turn also to the 17th chapter and read uh, the verse 22, chapter 17, verse 22. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. And the Lord bless the reading of his word. 
Let's kneel together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father and Lord God, where can we go if we wish to set our life in order? To whom can we look if we are looking for meaning for life? What shall we trust when times are uncertain? Heavenly Father, the answer lies with thee. We're so thankful that thy word has been preserved for us, that the Proverbs it contains, the teachings, the law, the words of our Lord and Savior, the epistles and even the prophecies of time to come are all preserved there for us, that if we would look into its pages, we would be able with confidence to order our lives in a way that would not only please thee, but would give us a sure foundation already here below. We're so thankful that we had the opportunity to know our dear sister Emma and spend time with her when she was still alive. Indeed, many of these, these Proverbs here she personified that we have read together. And Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we want to pray now for her family that is left behind, that they would be comforted knowing that their mother finished the course that was laid for her and now has received a crown from her Lord. Heavenly Father, that we, we, we wish that we would all finish well, that at the end of our lives, it could also be said of us that we have done the same. We have finished the course that thou hast given us to run. Help us to remember these things now, dear Lord, to be careful with the choices we make, to place things in the proper priority, that that day would not sneak up on us and, and catch us unaware, but that we would be prepared and ready and be able to say, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Dear Lord, we also want to pray for those that have lost loved ones in, in other places. We're mindful of our sister, Elena and for the loss of her brother. Dear Lord, provide comfort and peace for her and for the family, knowing also that a life that rests in thee is a life well lived and is one that has, assured, has surety even into eternity. Be with those that are preaching the gospel, Heavenly Father, in places <clears throat> perhaps far off from this one that are suffering great persecution at the hands of evil men because of the gospel. Dear Lord, be with them and strengthen them. Provide for their needs and may thy truth continue to go forth until thou would return. Be with our brother as he would speak the word now to us and meditate on it. Grant him wisdom from above, that same wisdom that animated Solomon that was granted unto him, that he would be able, with thy help, to, to, to point each soul who desires the things of God in the proper way that at the end of our lives it would be well with us. Be with us now, dear Lord, and bless the time that we spend here together. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. As the brother already uh, mentioned in his prayer, 
Um, our dear sister Emma did indeed uh, embody many of these verses. We read together, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Um, sister Emma was the oldest sister in our church. She was 98, just a month, little over a month shy of 99. Would have been in December. And uh, she made it to quite an old age. And I was very privileged as a young man to, uh, to have her as one of my church mothers. She was Emma Tunt to me. We called everybody aunt uh, or Bocce if it was Serbian or Vetter if it was German and so on. Everybody was family in the church and it was very special that when you went to church you weren't a group of individuals but you were part of what really felt like a church family. And I think Sister Emma was a, a, a big part of what kind of brought us together. After all, it was around her kitchen table uh, that I often experienced that family feeling. They were the closest to the church. Um, at some point, we were down to basically three families with children, um, the Kecks, the Reinhardts, and the Nitzes. And uh, it, in those days, <clears throat> we actually had uh, church three times a day. We had uh, evening uh, singing and as well as afternoon church. So there was kind of two opportunities. You had to go visit people uh, in between services. People actually did go home and uh, we were able to spend hours together in that. Uh, it, it also, I think, helped with the sense of, of family. And uh, we read together in the previous chapter here about how <clears throat> he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. And uh, our dear sister Emma had a very positive outlook. I was so thankful that, uh, that there, there are certain people that, that you feel encouraged when you spend time with them. You feel uplifted and it's not just um, uh, whether they can make you laugh she certainly had a lot of funny stories um, but it's whether you feel that that person is looking on others in a positive light or in a negative light I know there are some who, who feel uncomfortable looking at individuals and and uh, maybe especially the previous generation really felt that you know funeral services should not focus on the individual but on the word of god that is eternal and and i certainly agree that the word of god alone is true uh, but i think there's a reason why god didn't just give us a written word but sent us a living word Jesus so that God himself could enter flesh and we could see what it's like to live God's principles. I myself am very much inspired by, by example. Deep truths are also inspiring, but, but 
lives lived show that this isn't just theory. This is something that, that can actually be done here and now in our time in our lives. And so bear with me as, as I would uh, you know, perhaps use our dear sister Emma as, as pointing out some of the things in her life that inspire me and perhaps would inspire you as well. After all, Paul himself said, you know, be followers of me even as I am of Christ. Not that Paul thought himself to be perfect. He specifically said he wasn't, but in some ways he was following Christ and in those ways he invited people to follow him. And I think we can even follow some excellent things about our dear sister that uh, inspire. So as I said, I don't think I remember her being critical of other people. That uh, when she spoke of, of others, it wasn't with a sense of I wish or, you know, it's too bad that or they hurt me. You never had that sense of, of self-pity, but rather of aren't, am I not blessed to have yeah, um, you know, someone like this, you know, in my life, right? She would often praise Jake's cooking or whatever people had done for her. She was appreciative of these things and, and not lamenting um, things. And, and it's not like she didn't have anything in her life to lament. Uh, I'm so thankful our, our brother Doug spent time uh, just before brother Keck passed away and in his uh, unique style, immortalized uh, their lives in, in, in a poem. Uh, and, and I encourage whoever wants to, to, to get a copy of that to just kind of see. Again, I'm inspired by how God works in people that I know that it's not made up. It's not a revisionist history, uh, but these are people that, that we have been able to touch and see and handle even as John said. And so she had her struggles. Uh, she was taken from Yugoslavia after the, the Russians took over and she was taken by cattle car deep into Siberia and worked in a, a gulag, a starvation camp there. And uh, the men died much faster than the women and she survived that brutal time. But clearly it was it was cold, it, they were starving, there was cabbage alone for three meals a day, and uh, yet, you know, by God's grace, she not only survived that, but came through with a thankful and not a bitter heart. And I think that is a choice. You might say that might those choices are easier for some, some might have a nature that's, you know, more sensitive or more, uh, you know, pick up. But when I read these Proverbs, um, these Proverbs tell me that they're here because they're inviting me to enjoy these blessings if I'm willing to diligently pursue the, the condition. The Proverbs that we read here, they're, they're short and pithy sayings. They're the, it's not like you read a whole chapter to explain an idea. You have in, in one little half a verse or a full verse, and typically it's in this contrast style, you've got some wisdom 
packed in there that you can meditate and chew on for a long time. So uh, we see here that um, a, a, a parallel verse here, the merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. And we had read together, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. So Solomon in his style, he's contrasting two different choices. You can say, well, you know, I have no choice to be merry or I have a choice to be broken spirit. Life has happened to me. Uh, all these negative things have happened to me and they have made uh, me to be depressed or to have a broken spirit. And, you know, again, the Proverbs are generalizations. It's not true of everyone. <clears throat> when it says that um, <clears throat> merry heart doeth good like a medicine, <clears throat> that doesn't mean that uh, laughter is necessarily going to cure cancer. Science might show that it can help us to recover, that it <clears throat> has positive effects like a medicine, but it's not a guarantee. Uh, but yet, there is an opportunity for us to apply wisdom, to make these choices. There's, you know, each one of these verses has a choice in it, right? Um, the scorner that loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise, the previous verse, is giving us a choice, right? Uh, when I am corrected, reproved, am I of the scornful type that say, you know, how dare you? criticize me? Do I get defensive? Do I resent the fact that someone had the audacity to point out my errors? And so then I'm making a choice how to respond to that and I am being foolish. I will not go to the wise and learn. I will suffer the consequence that my pride basically is, is, is isolating me from help, from wisdom, and is condemning me to a path that, you know, Proverbs has lots to say about the negative consequences of rejecting people's correction. So in the same way, <clears throat> when we go through hard times in life, as our dear sister Emma has, we have a choice. These things can break us, or we can choose to be grateful and thankful and even joyful despite the things that happen because it's very much what we're focused on <clears throat> and I can see this in my own life I can see you know if someone has disappointed me and am I focused on that disappointment how could they it's not fair and 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 I can work myself into you know, this, this self-pity mindset, this, this I deserve, this injustice. We could kind of see this kind of spreading through a whole um, society, this sense of the chip on the shoulder and, and injustice, you know, and we, we even take on other people's injustice and are offended on their behalf as if that is going to help them. Uh, we read here that actually, no, uh, having this broken spirit is making you weak it's drying up your bones the bible talks about you know the if it talks about the prosperity that you know your marrow the, the is is and and there's now scientific basis to that is is where you get your strength and and health um and you know as that is weakened as 
you get older and your bones become fragile because you no longer have that 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 strength that that's the picture that we're seeing this is what being down and having a broken spirit and and feeling um a sense of despair a sense of things just aren't going to get better i have no hope i am condemned all this sort of i've given up that that's what kind of brokenness is implying whereas the merry heart is rejoicing in the moment is being thankful in the moment and that's why for the merry heart we read here it's a continual feast because there's the merry heart's always surrounded by lots of food not necessarily it's because the merry heart is thankful in whatever situation it is in and therefore for that person it's always a wonderful day to be alive for that person it's always there is something to be thankful for and something to be rejoicing in and therefore there is a feast now we're very thankful that with sister emma there often was food i have to say that i i spent enough time around that kitchen table to enjoy her pot roast and french fries and salad that was there every sunday and and then at lake simcoe there was the very special occasions where she would make homemade donuts and the, the entire um, uh, neighborhood was uh, would be flocking to her door for that fresh treat um, and she yeah, she would <laughs> anyways uh, have funny stories about the boy who always wanted the last piece it wasn't me honest it was uh, someone else but um, there she she did make a life joyful with the feast not only of her hospitality but the feast of of a heart that was um, was appreciative as opposed to uh, saddened by their circumstances <clears throat> Now, Mary, in the context of, okay, maybe I'll say this first. You know, Mary heart doeth good like a medicine. This is, it's often the Bible says something to be true, and, it, and later on we discover through science that, surprise, surprise, it's true. You know, as the designer has told us this is how we are designed, and then as we look and uh, we find out, yeah, it actually bears out with observation. And so uh, there's, I think uh, there was a survey of 160 medical studies that showed this principle to be true. That as we would uh, choose to be happy and thankful and joyful and even laugh, that uh, this would um, be something that, that actually has a measurable effect on our health and who knows maybe that's why our dear sister lived to be 98 uh, plus um, I, there was a section of the reader's digest which next generation have no clue what that is but my, my father was um, was a very avid reader of the reader's digest this was you know before the internet and where you actually got news and and quality uh, um, articles about what's going on in the world in print form. I know that's that's hard to imagine. And uh, so he tried to keep up with the world. And he was actually 
probably one of the, he always beat us at Trivial Pursuit because he learned a lot about the world through Reader's Digest. But there was one section which I, I kind of actually was probably the first part I read where it was called Laughter is uh, Good Medicine, where they would have, you know, some, some, some jokes. And, and uh, but it turns out that that's based here on, on, on what the Word of God says and what science has shown to be true, that actually your, your heart health is impacted by even laughter. Even they could measure with uh, one, uh, you know, if you're watching, uh, you know, an anxious, a documentary versus something that was uh, a comedy that would make you laugh, they can see your endothelial cells actually respond even in that one hour. Uh, and, and so it's not only your, your heart health, your, your veins, um, your, uh, there's, there's your inflammation uh, uh, that, that is affected. There's a number of things they have actually measured that, that show that when we are rejoicing that it is physically good for us and and this is also not surprising because it was kind of the greeks that kind of separated your body from your spirit and from your your soul and that you know that's just some something that was less and we should abstract ourselves away from and just think about you know the abstract uh, ideas but in, in, in God's mind, we are, we are three. We are body, soul, and spirit. In the Hebrew mind, this was an integrated thing. And even in heaven, it's not like we'll leave our body. Well, this particular body is corrupt, but I will receive a new body. That the bodies are how God designed me to be. And even in heaven, where things are perfect, I will have that redeemed body. It won't get old and have dementia and, uh, and become uh, tottering and, and, and prone to falling and all that kind of negative things of corruption, but it will still be a body. And so the fact that a body and your soul and your spirit impact each other is understandable. It's biblical that we are a whole person and that when we only focus on one narrow part, and I might say I'm really spiritual, but I neglect the body, then, then I am neglecting what God's given me responsibility to take care of. Or, you know, I'm really, you know, pro, you know focusing on exercise, which profits little, and abandoning the spirit, you know, th there's a hole. Now, it still profits. It still profits that we think right actually helps our physical bodies. When we uh, take care of our bodies, it helps our spirit. To, to have a clearer mind, to understand things, to not have these things that kind of even bring down our energy and even our mood because we're not taking care of our physical bodies. So the, 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 the integrated whole is a biblical concept. Now, the, that we just say, well, I mean, there's all kinds of comedy and is laughter really a good thing? And what about the scripture in Ephesians that tells us that, um, that uh, not by jesting, which is inconvenient, that there's some kind of uh, jesting that is actually negative and should be avoided. Um, so maybe is, is, uh, is all comedy a good thing? Uh, I do remember with, uh, with Brother Doug, it, I don't know, it was 20 years ago, we, we uh, studied something called learn to discern, where 
it was a series and this one was session was focused on entertainment and again this is going to seem archaic to some of the younger generation but there was a time where you couldn't just watch what you wanted on demand you actually had to follow a schedule and the tv had certain things at certain times and if you wanted to watch your favorite show you had to should watch it on Thursday at 7 p.m. or something like that. And uh, so we went through, uh, and you know, if you missed it, it, you know, you had to wait. There was a rerun a few years later, and if you had seen it, you'd have to watch it again. It was so inefficient. You know, people wasted so much time. Nowadays, people don't waste much time on, on media because they know exactly, and we know that's not how it works. We actually waste more time on media, even though we can efficiently find whatever we want. But anyways, the point was we were looking at discerning just one day's programming. Um, Brother Doug kind of analyzed each one and there were some that seemed, you know, well, it was just comedy. But yet that comedy was the thin edge of the wedge that was bringing in issues about, you know, thinking differently about in that time, 20 years ago, the social engineering was we're going to get people to accept uh, homosexuality and lesbianism as normal and positive by first getting you to laugh. And you engage with this, this, this comedy, and then, because you laughed at it and you could relate to these characters eventually, you know, and here we are 20 years later where, you know, it worked. Uh, society has been socially re-engineered. <laughs> And what we thought was impossible back then and now is just the water we're swimming in. Uh, we can't uh, imagine it differently. You can't dare say anything or you will be canceled or worse. Um, so comedy can be a tool of the enemy. Comedy can in itself just because you're laughing Maybe you're doing your endothelial cells a, a favor, but you're not doing your spirit a favor. And so it's very important what the subject of your enjoyment and laughter is. It, if, if you are, there's a, a category of humor which is basically blasphemous, which is making fun of the holy. And uh, the Bible says that we, if we... Um, you know, take the name of the Lord in vain, the Lord will not hold him guiltless who taketh his name in vain. I mean, that's a pretty heavy sentence. And yet, so just because we're laughing, we're actually, you know, heaping condemnation. There's other things people laugh about. And I think what Ephesians 5, if you look at the context, you know, if we're making uh, laughter, as, as is common, about uh, what God has designed to be pure and holy, the relationship between a man and a woman, and we, we have those kind of dirty jokes. That's again, polluting our minds, it's polluting our spirit, and, and it's a tool of the enemy. And just because it's funny doesn't mean it's right. And then you've got to deal with that. And, you know, especially young men at some places of work, you know, you're gonna to have to deal with, you know, am I gonna laugh and go along with this atmosphere that is, is demeaning and, and um, is really undermining my spirit? right it's a real thing so so we have to be careful and there's also a category of laughter where we're laughing at people we're laughing at categories of people that there's a certain group of people that you know we are putting down um, and considering less than makes us feel better 
And that is, again, you know, this is, these are people that are created in the image of God. And just because they may look, act, talk uh, differently than you, uh, you, by, you are basically, again, putting down the image of God by putting down these people just to make yourself feel better. And we need to be very careful about what we're laughing at. Um, there are people who, 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 where laughter is, is, is a way of escaping reality, is a way of, and of, of, it's their way of being accepted. If I can make people laugh, they will enjoy my company and therefore I will find my way in to a social acceptance. It's, it's a form of insecurity, almost. And, and you can see that that laughter is a thin experience where the person is not genuinely happy. The person may be anxious. The person may, uh, that the, the, the smile, the cheerful countenance is not coming from a merry heart. Notice it wasn't saying a merry mouth. Right? The mouth has to follow from the merry heart. And the heart it has to be rooted in something that's lasting, as opposed to just um, you know, something that's coming out of our lips to gain social acceptance. And so we come to the root, the heart of the matter. Right? What, why can we be merry, no matter what the circumstances are, as we heard is as a better term because Mary in scriptures sometimes can be um, in a positive context as we read here or sometimes people were just looking for that temporary thing and even the science shows that uh, when you laugh you do your uh, uh, body good for a short period of time but when you are negative the impact is longer it, 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 there's a, a skew, if you will. And so if you are not plugged into a source that is positive, if you are just using this as a temporary thrill, you're, you're, it's, it's much like uh, uh, last week, Brother Ed Yon had the topic about mental health and he talked about brain candy being bad for our mental health. You know, you might see something that's whether it's, you know, again, movies or internet or whatever that, that stimulates you. But it's, it's, it's like that sugar high followed by a crash. And that actually gets you more dependent and, 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 and uh, um, long-term uh, brings you down. Uh, is bad for your mental health. Whereas what we read last week or two weeks ago about Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, is not about a surface merriment that can be perhaps produced artificially, right? The, the, the source of that was in Philippians 4, um, 4 talked about rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, and then it goes into what is the solution, right? That to be anxious for nothing, right? to be, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Again, notice the attitude of gratitude that is producing the ability to rejoice in all circumstances because I am not facing this alone, because I am 
anchored beyond the veil of death and, and what I cannot see and cannot control in a God who does care and is in control, who I trust will do all things for good, uh, work all things for good according to his pleasure if I submit to that purpose. So, so it's this choice of anchoring myself in the Lord that our dear sister Emma has done. And it was not just something, an experience as a, as a young woman, but something that she was able to maintain for those 98 years, to maintain when she was 15 years a widow, to maintain in the presence of failing health and weakness, to maintain, you know, in post-war years, and uh, she, was, she was a single woman for well into her 30s. She had lots of struggles in her life, where, but yet, because her roots went into rejoicing in the Lord always, that's where the merry heart was fueled not in 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 in, in a, a social media stream that had funny things in it but in a lord that loved her and that was in control and that was able to to um she was able to cast her cares upon her and those cares were many and yet you did not see those shoulders bowed down with care you saw those shoulders erect and rejoicing in a lord that each one of us can as well. May the Lord bless this word. One of the things that fascinates me about the life of our sister Emma and others that have gone through very difficult situations is I try to put myself in their shoes and I'm not always so sure that I would measure up so favorably. I have noticed one thing though. There are those that go through difficult situations in life. For some, it makes them better. For others, it makes them bitter. There were others that survived those camps that Sister Emma was in, but not all had the same effect of a, of a sweet disposition coming out of that. And I sometimes wonder why. I think our sister Emma discovered two things. There was a man by the name of Alexander Solzhenitsyn who wrote a book called The Gulag Archipelago. He lived through very similar cir circumstances that our sister Emma lived through and he wrote about these experiences afterwards. And I found some quotes, that's the advantage I guess of having a smartphone up here. There were some things that he said and I think these are the things that also sister Emma realized. Solzhenitsyn said, you can resolve to live your life with integrity. Let your credo, your statement of belief or truth, be this. Let the lie come into the world. Let it even triumph, but not through me. Sister Emma determined that though there was evil in this world, and she saw it firsthand, up close and personal, she would not propagate that evil through her. Though, ev though men did evil things to her, she would not turn and do evil to others. That's the first step. The other This is a little bit longer quote, but bear with me, please, and listen. Gradually, it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, 
nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. This line shifts. Inside us, it oscillates with the years, and even within hearts overwhelmed by evil, one small bridgehead of good remains. The ability to see within each one, even those who do us ill, even those who are evil, to see something in them and say, this the Lord died for. This person also is redeemable. That will change your outlook on life. I think those were the two things that Sister Emma discovered through her very difficult experience. That she would not allow evil to continue through her and that she would look for good in others. Those two things will give each one of us a merry heart. May the Lord bless what we've heard this morning and may he dismiss us also with his blessing. This concludes our service. Amen.